Okay, okay. Let's do it. Back in action. Feels good. Um, gonna get right to it. We got <clears throat> posted a little little questionnaire, whatever you call that thing on Instagram. Uh, appreciate the patience on Instagram. Go find it. Go follow. Listen to all my podcasts, all of them. Um, I asked the question. I said, "You ask me questions, I'll answer them." So you guys did. You did not disappoint. A uh, little bit of some current event stuff, some some funny stuff, uh, a lot of generic normal questions. So I'm just going to kind of rifle through some of these and I'm going to answer them. And we're going to have some fun with it and I'm just going to tell you my thoughts. I purposely kind of uh, wrote down the questions or uh, that I thought would be worth answering but didn't want to put in too much thought to answering because I kind of wanted it to be like a... Um, honest, candid answer without sounding scripted. So let me get right to these things. Let's answer some questions. Uh, first question from first question from my wife. Um, are you bilingual? Solid, solid question here. Los tíos de la semana están el gato, por favor. If that doesn't tell you that I'm bilingual, I don't know what will. Uh, that is Spanish for anybody that's wondering. I can also count to ten in Japanese. Ichi ni sanyan go roko siji haji kuju. If you don't believe me, look it up. Why I know that, I have no idea how I learned that. I don't remember. Um, but yeah, babe, bilingual. Enjoy that. Uh, question. This is kind of like a... I don't actually know if this was what this question was about, but I love it. It just says Drake and the Raptors. Uh, I'm guessing, do I enjoy this? Do I like this whole dynamic that Drake has going on with the Raptors? Um, n no, <clears throat> I actually don't. But I don't. I don't really care for it either way. Um, I think people should stay in their lanes. I think that that. Uh, Professional athletes have earned a right to be, you know, untouchable and kind of a higher, higher kind of person or whatever while they're performing. Now, out, I think athletes kind of get screwed because, you know, you have a talent and that talent pays millions of dollars. So, of course, you're going to pursue it. And then you kind of get put on this pedestal like you're supposed to be a, an example and some kind of better person or human being. And, and, you know, I don't think that your talent should dictate how you have to live your life and act. But uh, anyways, whole different story. Drake and the Raptors. I I think it, I looked at this on ESPN the other day. I was watching it last night, I think, or the night before. And, um, you know, he's up there. He's, like, giving a shoulder rub to the Raptors head coach. I don't even, I don't even know the Raptors head coach name. But he's literally on the court, like, in a moment, like a, a basketball moment. Like, things are happening, and he's on the floor, like, engaging in the game almost he's all over um Giannis Antetokounmpo whatever he is the guy can't shoot a free throw because Jake's Drake's over there yelling at him um I, I don't know he's a fan and that's fine but I think that when you I don't care what he says on the sideline I don't care how he acts but I think coming over here and like literally giving the head coach a shoulder massage and and being on the court is is just too far but again not my world I don't really care um what I did see on ESPN is is Champagne Poppy, that's uh, Drake on Instagram, liked 
somebody's comment and it said because uh, I think people are all up in arms about this Drake thing. They're all pissed off. And um, one of my favorite favorite sports teams of all time is um, the University of Miami football team, just because I think what they created and how they created it back in the back in the eighties was like just a such a vibe and such a an attitude where they said we don't care what anybody thinks about us we're going to go do our thing they dominated and they were a big mess but they won and and I like that I just like that so this quote the thing that uh Drake liked said sports media needs to accept a simple rule the Miami Hurricanes signed into law back in the 80s if you don't want the opposing team to celebrate and dance prevent them from scoring winning or achieving their objective get over it and keep moving um, I can stand behind this big time because I coach baseball and, you know, there's unwritten rules, I think, in every sport that if you're dominating somebody or if you're just blowing somebody out, you know, you you put in the second team, you slow the game down in basketball and just you don't really pile it on even though you can. Um, baseball, what you would do in that situation is like if a guy, you know, hits a double with a runner on first base – and you're up by 11, you would probably stop the guy at third base and just hold it right here. Um, I, I don't know. I'm not. A, I'm not a big fan. I don't, you don't steal anymore. You stop stealing because the other team is, you know, has a catcher that might not be able to throw you out. So when you're up by 11, and you steal a base and you steal another one, and then you score on a dribbler to make it 12. It's. I don't know. It's, it might not be. People don't think it's necessary, but for me, uh, baseball is is a tough sport. And I'm not all for rubbing it into anybody's face when you're beating them. I'm not all for that. But there's there's stat padding days where, sure, you can get in there and steal a bag because you can. Um, I never feel like it's it's our fault that we worked hard to be this good um, and now we're putting on you and we're supposed to discount our, our work and our efforts and slow down because you're not on the same page. I don't, I don't feel that. And I feel the same way when somebody's doing that to us. If somebody's putting it on us and and we're losing by 15 and the pitcher throws the 900th pass ball today or wild pitch and their base runner stays on first base like a statue and doesn't run, that to me is more embarrassing than the guy taking second base up by 12. Play the game. You guys hit a double with a runner on first, score the guy because your guy earned the double and he earned the RBI on any other situation. So baseball is a statistical game big time, so I think you collect them. I'm not saying go put it on somebody, but play the game the way you would if it was 0-0 as far as taking an extra base, um, getting what you deserve because it's hard. I mean, if you're going to wipe stats off the board because you're beating somebody and you're going to take RBIs away from a guy – you know, that same guy's going to go out there tomorrow with the bases loaded, two outs. He's going to drive a ball into the gap. Somebody's going to lay out uh, and take three RBIs away from him. So if that guy can go get two uh, on Tuesday when they're up 15 nothing, and get robbed of three RBIs on Thursday when it's one-to-one, it, that's baseball, and it evens out, and that's the way it should be. So I guess that all came from the Drake, Drake and the Raptors. Maybe I should have wrote some answers down for these questions because this thing might might end up dragging if you don't know me, I can go down some rabbit trails sometimes. But um, am I a fan of Drake and the Raptors? I love the Raptors. I love Kawhi, San Diego guy. Love to see him have success. I hope the Raptors win. I, I could care less about Drake being there, being on the on the court. I, I think he's 
good energy for uh, the Raptors in Toronto, and, and it's his hometown, and I get it, and I, I like it, but I don't, I feel pretty indifferent about him, but I do like that this brought up that Miami U um, kind of team and what they stand for. You don't like somebody celebrating, you don't like somebody being super happy for beating you, then just don't let them beat you. It's that simple. Nobody celebrates when things are going south for them, so you don't like it, beat them. Um, Joe Mangione, uh, is the MLB shift good or bad? I don't think that's your question. Um, let me see what actually, let me see what your question actually was. I think you asked me if I, if I like that the, where are we at? Banning the shift in baseball, good or bad? Um, I don't like it. I don't like banning the shift at all. Only because I think baseball is is the best game in the world. Obviously, it's, it consumes my life professionally and then some entertainment purposes too. But um, it, it's just a it's, it's such a good game, and it's, you can't change it. You don't. You're not going to move the mound back from 60 feet six inches to make life a little easier on hitters because players got better. You're not going to extend the bases or shorten the bases because the infield is so good now and, and there's so many guys and it's so hard to get a hit that if the bases were two feet shorter, you'd, you'd get more hits. Like this, or, or bring the fences in because some guys can't go yards, so let's, let's equal things up. I, I don't know. I think you, you, the only reason it bothers me so much that they would change, um, they would ban the shift is because it's money, and I get that. It's the MLB. You know, at the end of the day, it's a business, and if they're losing viewers because games are one to nothing and two to one, um, they're going to consider banning that because it, it will open up the game. It opens up the infield, and guys get more hits, score more runs. But I, I think you would do a real disservice to the game in general um, because all that is is you're, you're stopping the players from evolving and stopping the players and the coaches and, and baseball really from evolving while staying the same sport, you're stopping it from, you're stopping people from evolving into like how to play it better. If there's a guy getting paid $20 million a year and all he does is pull the ball to the right side of the field as a coach, why, why as a team, why would you not go cover the whole right side of the field? You know, you're, you're getting paid $20 million, lay down a sack bunt over there to the left side and you win. If the pitcher doesn't feel that you win, there's nobody there. You're good enough to hit about 473 feet into the 19th row of the upper deck. Uh, sit there and square up and, and put a ball down in fair territory on the left side of the field, and you have a single. And, and I understand, too, that that's even considered a win for the defense because they're giving it up for you. So if you're a guy that can go yard at any given moment, you're a Barry Bonds, you're a Mike Trout, you're a new Vladdy Jr. who's catching fire, a single is is a success if that's how your at bat ends as as a defender and a pitcher. So keeping a guy in the yard, sure, and playing to the statistics. But if you're good enough to pull a major league pitch at 96 and ground into the four hole, and and you don't get a hit because the second baseman is 60 feet deep in the grass and you just hit a rocket to him and he throws you out of first base, uh, touche to the defense. Scattering report, uh, guys get paid for this stuff. That's that's why. You're getting paid so much money. I think the league minimum now has got to be close to six, $700,000 a year. I learn to put the ball on the other side of the field. Don't care how you do it. 
eventually they'll have to respect it and you won't you don't want to shift anymore then go the other way and fix it so joe i do not i, I would not be supportive of the mlb banning the shift i think then they'd have to start looking at banning a lot of things that that change the game and create advantages for teams that are finding better ways to play it. I, I mean, you know what? It, you're you're creating more holes in the infield by putting guys in a – what are you going to do? You're going to keep them in a 10-foot radius at second base and, and shortstop and third, and you're not allowed to go outside of this range? Are you going to go to all turf fields and make, like, 10-foot circles? This is where each player stands. Um <laughs> I don't know. I just don't. I I don't see how you can take that away from the game of baseball, um, because guys are just finding out how to play it better. They're not changing the game. They're not changing the rules. They're playing the game the way it's supposed to be played, and they're just electing to say, you know, instead of this guy standing here, we want him standing here because we think we've got a better chance of getting this guy out that way. Um, so for anybody that doesn't know what the major league shift is, or the it's just called a shift now, an overshift. I don't know. Um, there's a third baseman, a shortstop, a second baseman, a first baseman. And there's three outfielders. Sometimes when a guy comes up and he hits the ball at the same spot all the time, like only to the right side of second base, and he's a pole guy all the time, they'll take their shortstop, they'll put him up there behind second base or even on the second base side of second base. The second baseman will be way deep in the grass, and it makes it virtually impossible to hit a ground ball to the right side and get a hit for it. So... Um, or vice versa for righties and all that. So that's really all it is. It's a defense that's figured out a better way to stop guys that are one-dimensional at the plate. Um, so, uh, no, I don't think it'd be good, Joe. Wouldn't like to see that. All righty, what do we got next? Favorite childhood memory. First off, my memory sucks. It sucks so bad. Um, it's awful. I was just talking to a good friend of mine, my best friend Tim Sherlock from... From childhood, I mean childhood, and this memory is not about him. But we were talking tonight, and and uh, he brought up something from high school that like we did for like a year straight in one of our classes. Just we thought we were hilarious. Um, we'd go sharpen pencils like every single class period in the same class with this electric sharpener that's up in the front of the class. Uh, I feel like we'd have like three pencils per class, and we went to short classes like 50 minutes an hour um and we'd like grind them all down every like three minutes just to see how many we could do before the teacher would say something and uh the best part about it was we had a teacher that just never said anything so he brought this up in a conversation tonight and i was thinking about it and um i would have never in my entire life remembered that and it made me feel almost like sad that i, I have zero recollection of that until he brought it up and now I do, and it's great, and it's hilarious. But um, favorite childhood memory for me, uh, I did put a little thought into this one because there's so many of them, but um, summertime is number one. When I was younger, my mom worked days. I was a personal trainer. My dad worked nights. He had a different shift every year for UPS, but um, he would work 12-hour shifts, so he'd work like 9, nine at night to 9 in the morning come home, eat some breakfast, go to bed at 10, and sleep all day long. Um, and we were young, like too young to go leave the house by ourselves all the time. My sister and I, um, when we were young, like we weren't allowed to leave the house and just go play around because we were too young for that. So we would sit inside and we would watch TV all day and hang out with each other and um, do whatever. We'd just 
play like kids play, but it was always we had to be kind of quiet because my dad was sleeping. Um, we had to make our own food, which was, you know, not not tough. But I remember those days mainly because of the TV. Like we would sit and we would watch Saved by the Bell. We would watch Boy Meets World. Um, we had WGN, so the only thing I could watch sports-wise in the daytime was uh, the Chicago White Sox and the Chicago Cubs, which was actually really nice. But um, and I remember listening to those games, and, and the reason I this is one of my favorite memories is summertime like that because it, it puts me into a place like there's a big like nostalgicness to it where you know anytime Saved by the Bell comes on, it puts me like I feel like I'm now eight years old watching Saved by the Bell um, in my house with my dad sleeping, my mom's at work, me and my sister are having a great time, and, um, or Boy Meets World. It puts me like I'm sitting right back there, and it feels so good because it was such a good time in my life. I love my family more than, more than anything. So to have a memory like that that puts me in a spot and makes me feel a certain type of way, like I'm right back there. Um, the older you get, it's nice to feel like you know you're back in a spot where Life was just so, so simple. So um, that was one of them. Another one was shooting baskets, shooting baskets in my uh, driveway. I'll never forget my dad put a basketball hoop up above the garage. Um, and I just loved to go shoot baskets all through the night. He got a chain net, you know, those old chain nets you'll find at parks. Um, you, you shoot a swish and it makes a nice little uh, ching, ching, whatever. Sounds nothing like what I just tried to make it sound like, but um, I would shoot and shoot for hours and hours and hours, and I practiced certain shots. I I put myself in positions where I was about to go hit the game-winning shot in my high school game one day. I was about to go, you know, my youth basketball league. I was going to go dominate. I just loved basketball all growing up. Um, baseball, too, but, but really I think basketball was it for me because the energy and the up and down, the fast-paced part of it, uh, I was just a big fan of. So shooting hoops out there for me was was something I'll, I'll never forget, the feeling of feeling like I was getting better. Um, I used to watch One Tree Hill back in the day. This was when I was a little older in high, sc high school. But if you remember One Tree Hill, greatest show of, of all time, I think, probably right next to Friday Night Lights. Um, they were all about basketball. It was a basketball show. It was more. It was a drama, and it was about life. But I'd I'd put myself in there, and I'd be whatever that blonde guy's name is. I'll tell you my memory. Watched every episode of One Tree Hill with my I think my mom when I was in freshman in high school, sophomore, junior, senior, all the way through. It was like our thing. But I can't remember anybody's name on that show now. That's memory sucks. But I would do that. I would just go out there and I'd shoot, and I'd feel just feel good about it. Um, I remember even closing my eyes every night when I was like five, seven, you know, 14 years old. I was a little guy. I was always a little guy. Um, I graduated high school at 5'10", 145 pounds. And I think a year and a half later, played my first college game at like 5'11 and a half. Well, let's call it six foot. I'm going to be six foot for this conversation. Um, six foot one, 195, I think. So a year and a half to gain two inches of height and 50 pounds of um, weight. And so I was always little, but whatever. Um, I remember always sitting out in my driveway and like closing my eyes and looking at the hoop 
and then closing my eyes again, and then opening and looking at the hoop, and closing my eyes and going, please, God, just one time, nobody's here, nobody has to see, nobody has to know, if you could just let me dunk this basketball, just right now, just give me a little, like, superhuman hops for two seconds, I'm the only one that's going to know, it won't be like a weird... Superman thing when he sprints off in the movie and somebody sees it for the first time and knows he's got some power Just let me dunk this ball and I would I would stand there and I'd look at that rim like I'm coming for you And every time I would run and I would actually jump and like literally go to dunk a basketball and I'd come up at that point what five seven I don't know what my vertical was. Let's just call it 24 inches I'd probably reach a maximum of like eight feet in the air. So I'm two feet off of the basket, not even close. Two feet from just getting there, and then you need like a ball distance to get above it to dunk it. So solid, probably three feet. But for some reason, I always, always thought like this is going to happen. I had such a belief I was going to go dunk that basketball, but um, no, never, ever did. At least not in that setting. So another good memory there. I just like I like shooting out there. I like being out there in the dark and the cold and I felt like I was getting better at something and getting ready for something. And then the last one, I think my, one of my favorite memories, the 4th of July with my family, always we'd go down to the bank in San Marcos. My dad would open up his uh, little camper on his, on his trucks, 1989 Toyota Great Pickup, my first car, uh, best truck ever. And he would open it up, we'd have blankets, we'd have some chairs, we'd have whatever, but we'd all sit there as a family, the four of us, um, my mom, my sister, my dad, and we were like, you know, one uh, twentieth of a mile away from the fireworks where they're shooting off, and other families were there too, and we would sit there, and my dad would pop a bunch of popcorn at the house before he goes and put it in a big bowl, and we'd all go sit, you know, covered in, in blankets and hang out as a family and watch the fireworks, and I think the reason I like that too now is because every single time I see fireworks, it brings me right back to like... Um, you know, that situation, four of us as a family sitting there watching something, I think fireworks are one of the most beautiful, incredible things in the world. They make me happy anyways, but adding that to it um, makes me feel good. So here's your childhood memories for you. Summertime, shooting hoops, and 4th of July. Uh, favorite show on Netflix? Good question here, because I can't, I think, I, am I the only one that spends more time searching Netflix than I do actually watching Netflix? Uh, somebody can tell me that. Somebody comment and let me know, because I don't feel like I'm. The, I can't be the only one. But um, good Netflix shows. Ozark would be one that first comes to mind. If you haven't watched that, watch it. It's good. It's really good. Um, I'm a big like sucker for these like teen ones. You know, like The Stranger Things. I like uh, Riverdale. I got <laughs> like super into Riverdale. I don't. I don't know why, um, I just did, just got sucked right into that thing, um, but my favorite one of all time, my favorite TV show I think of all time, at least on Netflix, is uh, Schitt's Creek, if you haven't seen it, start watching it, I promise, if you have any sense of humor, you won't be disappointed, it's, it's, that's my favorite, Schitt's Creek is my favorite, so, um, it's kind of it for me. I don't get too into the TV shows because it's hard for me to know. Like, I'm going to have to invest. Like, I just looked at um, Schitt's Creek, and it, I think it has 52 episodes. And they're all, like, 
20, 30 minutes, whatever that is, but that's 24 hours, like, it's like 25 to 30 hours, like, of my, that's an entire day of my life sitting there watching a TV show, so it's hard for me to, like, create that, that investment and buy into investing into a TV show for that long, um, so if the first episode or two doesn't, like, hook me in, I'm out, so, but those three hooked me in, so Ozark, Riverdale, uh, and Shit's Creek is, you will not be disappointed by Shit's Creek, do it, it's hilarious, it's funny, um, one of my favorites. What do we got next here? Um, what is success? This one, I think, is, uh, I like this one a lot, it's a little, a little deep, I know, um, saw a cool quote today, actually, just today, Gary V. if you guys know that guy, um, you know what he's all about, if you don't, go follow him, he's, He's good. He will fire you up to do some things. But he said something along the lines of like, I'm so stoked that, you know, in 2019, success is measured in like happiness and joy or, or whatever, whatever, um, instead of dollars, instead of bank accounts, instead of all that. And I, I think that that to me and probably to a lot of people now, you know, success, because you've seen everybody knows a broke guy that's happy. Everybody knows a rich guy that's miserable. Um, so I think success kind of just depends on where you're really at in life and where, you know, where you, where you are and what you think that what matters to you, because I don't think you can, you know, tell somebody something along the lines of this is exactly the blueprint for happiness, follow it and do it. I don't think that's realistic. All right, I'm back. I had to stop recording for a second there. I started mumbling the last like 10 seconds because um, I, I really, really needed to go to the bathroom. And for whatever reason nowadays, I'm like 90 years old. The second I got to go to the bathroom, hits me like a tank and I'm like a three-year-old is about to pee his pants. So I had too much information, but <clears throat> just wanted to explain why I was uh, like not no clue what I was trying to say for about eight seconds. So I think I was at, um, we're talking about happiness, I know that. And, and I think where I'm at is it depends on on life. I think as a single guy that's 22 years old and um, his idea of happiness is going to be different than, you know, somebody in my situation who's 32 and married and has a daughter and, you know, owns a business. And <clears throat> there's a lot more to, I guess, what goes into happiness than just a general idea. So I don't know, maybe for the 22-year-old guy, I, I got to imagine if I was 22 and wanted to be successful um I, that would be make decent money um hopefully have i don't know have a hot girlfriend have a good relationship with my family like nothing in my life is going terribly wrong uh, I, I pretty simple i get to go out and hang out with i have good friends and i at 22 I, I think that's simple i think success is simple at that age as far as um, being happy, if you're going to kind of ride success and happiness together and, and make them one, I think 22 is pretty easy. I think I think it's a choice. I think happiness is a choice, just like you wake up in the morning and decide it's going to be a good day or a bad day. Um, I'm a big believer in that stuff. So, But for me, <clears throat> success for me is, is always, always been like what you give to other people. I think it's one of the only thing that matters. Uh, to me, it's I think we're here, I think we're all here to kind of build each other up and make people feel good and have a vibe about you and this aura and this energy that 
you know, my dream literally is funny as stupid as it sounds. I, I, I don't even like, I don't even like money. I like money because, you know, it makes life easier and it takes stress away from people. But I, I just hate what money does to most everybody. Um, cause it's not easy to go get rich. It's not easy to make a ton of money. Uh, so most people, if you ask them what the number one stress in their life is and what makes them unhappy and stressed out, I guarantee there's got to be the vast majority are going to say financial situation. So money sucks, but success for me is what you bring to the table for other people. One, like I said, my dream would be literally to walk into a room, be myself, like genuinely be myself. And when I leave, if there's 10 people in that room, I want them to mumble to each other for like 30 seconds and go, like, it was awesome. Like, do you feel, am I weird? Or do you feel like real good that he just came and went and, you know, talked to us and like, that was a, that was a vibe. Like, I felt good. Like that, I feel good now. I I feel better than I did when he got here. That's kind of my dream. I have one or two people like that in my life where, um, every time I see him, it's just like such a good, consistent energy and it makes you feel good and uh, makes you want to go do the same to other people. And I just picture this world of happy people everywhere and I think it's awesome. So I think that to me, success would just be um, wh- whatever lets you rest your head on your pillow at night. You know, I, I think that the guy that asked me this question, we've had a lot of talks about life stuff and you know, this brought to mind something in my head where I said to him one night, and we talked about this, and we've said it a couple times. I think, like I said, a man's, I think that a man's true value lies in his ability to deny his demons. Because um, we all have demons, and I say man, man, woman, whoever. Um, everybody has demons. Everybody has, you know, vices. Everybody has addictions. Whatever it is, whatever your thing is, I, I sincerely believe nobody's perfect. So, Everybody's got something I think that they battle with internally every single day, whether it's big, small, um, every day, sometimes, all the time. Um, we all have that. I think that one of the most empowering things that makes you feel good is being able to you know, deny those demons. You talk to an alcoholic, a drug addict um, that went through you know, the 12-step program or whatever it might be, and now their life is like they're more spiritual or whatever whatever the route they take to get sober and feel good. Um, they feel happy. They feel like gratitude. They feel blessed. They feel lucky that they made it out. And every day is just like a little better. There's still always going to be that hunger for the demon, I think, inside of them to for their vices and the things that they want. And it's going to be an everyday battle to, you know, stay away from those things. But you look at those people and they have a new sense of like, life is good just because it's not bad. Like, I, I think that's kind of the deal. Like, make life what you want. Make it good. Make it fun. Um, and, and that's something that I believe too. So if you want to talk success in a really deep way for me, um, I think, I, I guess you could change a man's, you know, true value with a man's, you know, true success lies in and how often and how well he can deny his demons. And and I think success to me is happiness and denying things like that and filling yourself with positive stuff. Um, that's happiness. That's success. That, that would be my answer for that. So if I can go to sleep at night knowing that I'm a good person and I did things that I want to do today um, to positively impact the community, the people around me, then I'm good. I'm good. I'm successful. So... Um, let me see here. Why do I have a podcast? (laughs) 
20, 30 minutes in. How far in are we on this thing right now? Um, 32 minutes. You're probably wondering the same thing. I don't know because I can't sleep very well, so I sit up here and I talk sometimes. It's one one forty four in the morning right now. So um, rather than sit and stare at the ceiling or watch Netflix, I, I talk to myself and to a microphone, and then half the time I talk to other people, um, friends of mine, athletes, coaches, business people, whoever. Um, it's a pretty cool thing. I, I would suggest everybody start a podcast just for fun, for the mere fact that you're going to meet people and you're going to learn things about people, and then in turn you're going to learn things about yourself and um, a really cool experience. So speaking of coming up uh, next couple weeks, um, I think next week we got Roberto Wallace, Brett Swain, two ex-NFL uh, football players, local guys here. Um, we're going to go sit down, grab some coffee together and chat, um, about, about some good stuff. I'm excited for that one. Two guys that I think are going to bring a lot to the table and, and be a lot of fun to listen to. So next week you guys can look forward to that one. Um, uh, but that's why I have a podcast. I don't know. Cause it's fun. How about that? Um, this is like the generic, the generic list right here. Favorite color, black. I wear mostly black all the time. Why I don't know. Um, like I said, I, I I don't know. I think black just feels good. I like wearing I like wearing black clothes, mostly without logos. I'm a very plain, simple guy. Um, biggest life regret? Ugh. I have no idea. This is a tough one. I think the only thing I could think of, and probably pretty quick on this one, is uh. Um, I wish that in an earlier age I would have learned to not care about what anybody thinks about me. I wish I would have done that. I wish I would have done that at 10 years old. Well, maybe not that early because then you'd probably get in trouble and you do things that you shouldn't be doing at that age. Maybe like 18 when I became, like the minute I became an adult, I wish I would have just cared less and less about what other people think of me and realized like it's my life. I'm going to do whatever I want. People are going to like it. People are not going to like it. Mom's going to like things I do. Mom's gonna hate things I do. It's kind of the natural way, but you gotta be happy and you gotta do you and you gotta be what you were supposed to be as far as a person and, and living your life inside these like I don't want to make anybody angry guidelines it sucks. So that'd be my only, really probably my only regret is that um, I just lived a too big of a portion of my life um, worrying about what other people think of me. Uh, where are we at here? Why do I coach? Um, for those of you who don't know, I coach baseball. Um, I like this question. I think it's a good one. And I think that, you know, for me, the reason I coach uh, is because of the platform it provides. I think I really, like, deep down inside, it's twofold for me. Um, part of it is for myself and part of it is for everyone else. Um, I coach because it's a platform that, you know, you, you're, you're teaching a kid um, something that he loves. And I think if he can do that in the right way, and I don't always do it in the right way, um, I'm not perfect at this. I'm not, I don't know, I might be great at it in somebody's mind. I might be terrible at it in somebody else's mind. It's a tough, tough gig to coach a sport, um, especially in high school. There's a lot of different dynamics that it's it's way beyond just teaching the game of baseball. So, you know, nowadays you're like, you're like, 
the the holder of people's future you know luckily there's travel ball and nine months out of the year they can go to other places and go get recruited and figure things out and so it's not all on one person there's always a team around people um but for me i coach at the high school level it's it's the most fun i have all year long for three and a half months when the season starts uh, because you're, you're with these guys six days a week a few hours a day you guys are preparing to go be victorious against another team who's preparing to beat you. Uh, it's real-life stuff. Baseball is so indicative of real life. It's like you're going to hammer a baseball. You're going to do it all right. You're going to do exactly what you're supposed to, and some guys will be standing there to catch the baseball, and you're going to get – not only are you not going to get rewarded for it, but you'll be punished by getting an out. Like, it's, it's real similar life. Sometimes you're going to go to an interview, and you're going to smash the interview, and you're going to kill it, and you're going to be stoked. And then little Johnny's going to walk into the same interview and he's going to butcher the whole thing and he's going to be underqualified for the job and he probably shouldn't have the job. Um, but little Johnny happens to be the CEO's cousin. So guess what? Little Johnny is getting the job. You did everything right and you're not getting um, what you think you deserve out of it. So welcome to baseball. Welcome to real life. Um, I, I teach it. I coach it. Because that platform, I think at this age, you know, I, I tell my guys all the time, if I teach you, if the only thing I teach you throughout the four years you're in this program and you're with us um, is how to field a ground ball, how to catch a fly ball, how to throw somebody out, how to hammer a hanging curve ball and how to not miss a fastball. If that's all we've taught you and how to throw strikes and how to you know, throw a change up that's a swing and miss pitch. If that's the only thing we teach you in four years, then we've failed miserably because you guys are all um, playing baseball now. We're not all going to go on and be professional baseball players for a living, but whether we do or do not, every single one of us is going to go on and be um, men, citizens and, and members of society and husbands and fathers um, we're brothers, we're, we're sons, we're all going to go on to be people and men. And if I don't spend just as much time teaching you what I think, you know, the world needs more of and what a man should be, um, then I failed. I failed. If all I teach you is baseball and the game and how to play it, then we failed. So I think that's the reason for me that I coach. Um, that's the half of it. Um, I, I say half, but I guess it's twofold, but that's like 99%. Um, I just see it as such a chance to kind of affect people that, you know, kids that that are at such an age where, you know, you can have a big impact on either putting them in the right direction or wrong direction. And we take a lot of pride in kind of trying to keep these guys in the right direction. So that'd be the first reason I coach. Number two, which is a selfish for me reason, is I just love the roller coaster. I absolutely love it. Um, I wear the losses like it's the worst thing that's ever happened to me. I celebrate every win like it's the best thing that's ever happened to me. And it's hard for me to imagine a life, um, you know, going to work from nine to five, five days a week, coming home on the weekends, relaxing, doing whatever, and then going right back to it without having this direct connection to, um, you know, a success or a failure every single day almost. It's like, that to me is the fun part. So having something, I guess, every day to 
go try and get, go try and get the W, go try and win and go try and compete. And whether it's good or bad, it's seven innings. And, and I, I don't know who said it, but they said baseball is a, is just one big nervous breakdown broken into, into nine innings. So I'm glad anytime win or lose, I just soak in the whole, the whole game, the whole process, the ball that drops two feet out of our guy's reach and scores a run for the other team and now they're up two to one and it's like this big stress moment of watching that ball fly through the air, glancing at your guy, looking at the route, looking out close and you're going back and forth between the ball and your guy, the ball and your guy and you're like, this is going to be close. If he catches it, we're in good shape. If he misses it, we're screwed. And then boom, one or the other happens. Like Those moments for me are the ones that I live for where that ball's flying in the air for that two and a half seconds and it feels like an eternity I live for those moments. Um, I live for a pitcher standing on the mound, staring down the, the catcher, getting his sign, and you know that he's about to come with his best and that this pitch changes everything. Like, it changes everything. So, I don't know. I, I think that's part of it for me. When I think when your guy, you know, you want a ground ball and you get the ground ball and the guy hits a ground ball and you're sitting there going, please now. Like, it's not good enough to just hit the ground ball. You know, you want a six-four-three double play, and this guy hits the ball right off the barrel. You see, it's a ground ball to shortstop, and you're stoked. But you can't be stoked because now you need the six guy, which is the shortstop, to do his job and field it and give a good feed to the four guy, who's the second baseman. You need him to get a good, good catch, good transfer, good feed around the bag. You need him to throw a dime over first base and beat the guy run down the line. And it's not until all of these little things happen that you can celebrate and take a breath. So. I don't know. Baseball to me is, is so beautiful and it's so fun and it brings me so much life and energy and, and emotion throughout my life instead of just clocking in, clocking out. I can't do it. So I think that's why I coach baseball. Uh, number one, it's a platform to change some lives and hopefully that you know we do that right and the staff of coaches around me and the people around me and my mentors and all that, um, we get through to these kids in the right way and kind of put them in a path where um, they at least know, hopefully, right from wrong and what, what they should be doing as little as we can help um, throughout their, their short time with us. So, And then part two is I just need the roller coaster. I need the drama. Um, what else we got here? Let's check this one out. I like this question. Favorite food and drink? Um, I like this question just because it's like your standard I feel, like I, I feel like I'm on a date with half these questions. Like, what's your favorite color? What's your favorite food and drink? Um, <clears throat> are you bilingual? Netflix. We've talked about a lot of things I think you would kind of cover on a first date, which I think is great. Um, the next question is about music. So this is like kind of get to get to know me. This is like the first date podcast mixed with some some boring stuff that I've talked about for 40 minutes that you probably wouldn't make it to a second date. So solid. Hopefully you make it to another episode after this. Um, favorite food and drink. Spaghetti is my favorite food of all time. Mm, I'm not a big flavor guy. Like I don't like these dishes that are, they're like, I don't know, specialty dishes and the flavors unbelievable. Like I just, I'm simple. Like you give me spaghetti like straight out of the box in the, in the jar and then you give me Texas toast, I'm in heaven and I'm eating all of it. However much you make, doesn't matter to me, I'm eating all of it. Um, spaghetti, favorite meal, favorite food, Texas toast, 
just I, I you gotta love it. I think if you don't like that, you're, I think you're actually weird. I think you're weird. Um, and my favorite drink, I I don't know. There's so many different ways to go about favorite drink. Um, sports drinks don't do a ton of those. Um, soda it's got to be Dr Pepper. Has to be. Um, I guess if it's like juices or something, it's just water. Like, give me some ice cold water and life is good. Um, I guess any alcoholic beverages would be uh, Stella. It's my favorite beer. I would drink that over anything. So, um, so you know, I feel like I got to go out tomorrow night to uh, Mama's and Papa's and get me some like two for 20 meal they got. It's, it's lasagna, it's spaghetti, it's bread, and it's a house salad with their house dressing, which is unreal. Um, and go drink a Stella and then knock it all down together with a bunch of ice cold water. So I think that's my Friday night plans. Thanks for the favorite food and drink question. Um, <clears throat> favorite music. I don't know. It just says favorite music. So I don't know if this is like genres or whatever. Um, I listen to everything. I love everything. I guess, I'll, I mean, literally like I love every kind of music. I don't care if it's classical music i don't care if it's rap music country rock death metal i'll listen to anything and everything and enjoy it um, i listen to cardi b i listen to all of it doesn't matter to me so but right now the kick i'm on and probably a lot of people i think in the last like eight nine months whenever this movie came out bohemian rhapsody did you did anybody see that yes um phenomenal movie if you haven't seen it yet go watch it i don't think you'll be disappointed um, Freddie Mercury, kind of a pretty incredible guy, cool story, whatever. I think anybody that's, that's that kind of magnetic and kind of back to what we were talking about earlier, you walk into a room and you bring in energy and you change people and their feelings and their mood just by being there. Um, I think it, it looks to me through watching this movie, like he was that kind of guy and hearing things about him. So, um, it's a really cool movie, but I literally get in my car every day for the past like two months and blast on the Bohemian Rhapsody soundtrack. I still buy CDs. Probably got to be the only guy I know. Um, but no, I still buy CDs. Not because I'm like, you know, old school and like supporting the artist or anything, but I just am reluctant to kind of buy into the new age technology. And uh, it's not because I'm against it. It's just because I'm lazy. I'm so lazy when it comes to learning things like that. So I still go buy CDs. I'd rather spend 12 bucks and just be done with it. Um, but Fat Bottom Girls live version, my goodness, one of the best songs of all time. Um, I've been blasting that and screaming it, belting it out. You'll see me on the freeway on my way to work probably most days out of the week. Um, and if you see me look like I'm yelling super angry at somebody, I'm not. I'm just, I'm just on stage with Freddie Mercury. Um, singing Fat Bottom Girls at the top of my lungs and inside my car. So that's really all that's happening. Um, but favorite music, like everything, go watch Bohemian Rhapsody. Enjoy it. Um, listen to that song, Fat Bottom Girls live version on Bohemian Rhapsody soundtrack. I don't think you'll be. Uh, I don't think you'll be disappointed. Uh, what else? Let's go. One more question. Last one. I thought this was uh, kind of awesome. Kind of hilarious. I couldn't figure out if uh, this person sent it to me as something funny or something real. Um, I know him, so I'm going to guess that it's real. You know who you are. It doesn't actually matter. 
Um, but I still think I find this hilarious, even though I think it's try to come across as like not good. Um, do you? Th the question is: Do you think more people like you or hate you? <laughs> uh, I I don't. I read this and I started cracking up to myself. Like, first of all, if you're gonna use, um, do you think more people like you or hate you? Could you at least use the word love? Like, like people love me and also hate me, not just like some people like like is like oh, i kind of like that guy it makes me feel like some people kind of like me and some people hate me but nobody really loves me so next time you ask me a question like this um if you could please use the word love instead of like that would be freaking awesome um now to answer this question do i think more people like me or hate me um by asking this question and knowing why you asked it and knowing that you probably were just trying to throw a jab that some people may not like me or may hate me in your opinion. Um, I want to start off by saying you have grossly, grossly overestimated um, how much you may think that I value anyone's opinion of myself ever at any point in life. So um, it should be more of do you care if more people like you or hate you? The answer would be no. Do I think more people like me or hate me? Um, I think more people love me than hate me. I think more people like me than hate me. I think I'm a cool dude. Um, and I think I try to do right by people. So, I, you know, the thing is we're all bad in someone else's story at some point, right? If you're, if you're doing anything that doesn't help somebody else or, or make somebody else happy or whatever they want to be done, if you're not the guy doing it, then they probably don't like you. If you're in a position to do it and you're not doing it, um, in my job, yeah, sure. Like there's, I coach baseball, I coach high school kids and parents are going to love me and parents are going to be upset and it's part of the gig, but I, I don't, outside of that, I don't, I understand that. Like I totally understand that. I have a three-year-old daughter and she's incredible. And if anybody ever, you know, didn't play her when she was on a team one day, I'd probably be irritated. So I understand that part of it, and I get that, and I don't think those people, I don't think anybody hates a coach that doesn't play their kid or doesn't do what they think their kid should do. Um, I just think they're a parent, being a parent, and it's hard to it's hard to like somebody that you think is doing wrong by your kid. So 100% I understand that stuff. Um, but when it comes to real life and, like, just me being who I am and living my life outside of, you know, those opinions, I don't think anybody has a reason to hate me. Um... I don't, I don't do anything. I don't act in a certain way where people should hate me. Um, like I told you earlier, I think my whole idea of success is happiness. And I think my idea of happiness is being good to other people. I think it's easy. I think it's so easy to be good to other people, um, to be nice to people. It's a decision. Like, I'm going to go be good to people today. And I think a big piece of this for me comes from um, my whole life I've never ever ever needed somebody else like ever I don't need their hey you're doing a great job uh, hey you know that was a that was fun to watch today I thought you were cool I thought you were funny I enjoyed listening to your podcast like I don't need any of that I don't need validation from anybody and I don't say that in a way where, like I'm so independent and I don't care it's just in my DNA to not need anything from anybody I don't need it and so to, to worry about what somebody thinks about me kind of goes hand in hand with that. Where I also, I also It doesn't even cross my mind. Like I know what I'm doing and I know what my intentions are and they're good and they're pure and they're, 
I, I've never once had a negative like intention with anything I've ever done. Um, so for somebody to come out and feel that way or, or, or tell me I'm that way, it doesn't bother me because I know who I am. I know what I believe and I know what I do. Um, and, and your opinion of me and what I do is your opinion of me and not what I do. It's not what I actually do and what I am. So I don't know. I go to sleep at night and I feel good and I, I don't think about who loves me and who hates me. I want my daughter to love me. I want my wife to love me. I want my family to love me. And beyond that, I, it is. It doesn't. It does. It just doesn't matter. And not in a bad way where I don't care about anybody. Um, just unaffected by it. I I know that people come and go, and you know life is 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 short. And momentarily making somebody happy to me is not. It's not momentary. It's it's real and it's it's life and that's good and. And it's long term because because momentary to me is is a word that doesn't exist. Like momentary momentary happiness, uh, momentarily making somebody happy. Life is momentary. I hate to tell you all, um, it goes by fast. It's like that, and it's gone. So for me, like every little thing should be a big thing. Every little good thing that happens, to you should be huge because it's a day that you know you made somebody happy, you made somebody feel good, and that's it. And if there's a negative thing that happens in your day, then oh well, oh well. It is what it is. Move on and, and make lemon, lemonade out of lemons, right? So do I know or do I think more people like me or hate me? Number one, I don't care. Number two, it doesn't matter. Number three, if I didn't say this already, I don't care. Um, and number four, I think more people love me than they like me and more people love me then they hate me and more people like me. And I've said this sentence seven different times, but I don't know that too many people hate me. And I guess it's a good feeling to be able to think and, and believe that. So um, I appreciate that question. I think it's a funny one. I thought it was awesome. Um, good questions, guys. I, I had a good time answering these things. I hope I didn't bore you to death. Uh, I expected this to be about six minutes and it's now running on 54. So if you're still here, thanks for listening. Um, next week, Roberto Wallace, Brett Swain, a couple NFL guys, we're going to chat. Uh, we're going to talk about some important things in youth sports. Uh, we're going to touch on the, the training and what those guys do now um, and just kind of look into how it is versus how it was. Um, we're going to talk about parents' involvement inside um, the, the whole dynamic of their kids upcoming in sports and, and growing up and, and how to – you know, positively impact as from a coach's point of view, how to be a parent that positively impacts the journey for their son. Um, getting to get into a lot of good things with those guys. So looking forward to that one next week. I uh, got one of my best friends I talked about earlier with pencil sharpening, um, classical Academy, new head football coach stoked for him. We're going to sit down and have a talk. Um, bright guy brings a lot to the table as far as uh, spiritually, mentally, and, and just a driven individual. So, Got a couple of nice things on deck. I'm stoked to be back at this. Thank you guys for listening, and uh, we will see you on the next one.